Hey, thanks for tuning in. The audio presented to you is copyrighted by Oak Ridge Baptist Church. Every year we all, uh, or most people, uh, come up with their New Year's resolutions. We all have plans for the new year. A lot of people, you know, the common resolutions are this year, this is the year I'm going to lose some weight, right? Uh, Or I'm going to make sure I start saving some money. I'm going to get rid of some debt. I'm going to pay off my house or my car. I'm going to get a new job, uh, build the courage to to find a new job, etc. For some people, this becomes an obsession. This becomes an obsession. Um, An acquaintance of mine years ago, uh, he became obsessed with making money. And uh, he was working 10, 12-hour days, Monday through Saturday. He got a second job. He started a small business, and he was working Monday through Sunday uh, and started making a lot of money until uh, his wife called a meeting with him, and uh, he was about to lose his marriage, and then he got sick, and then he got temporarily separated. You know. People obsess with many things, money, power. Influence. I was uh, reading an article uh, a few months ago where this young lady, 21-year-old young lady who uh, is an influencer and, and she posts videos, extreme videos, and she goes up a hill and a mountain trying to do this drastic, uh, take this, this extreme picture, and he fell, she fell to her death. People are willing to risk their lives for their obsessions. This young lady was obsessed with being famous and being an influence on, uh, she had close to, I'm not kidding, close to like half a million followers, you know, unbelievable. Today I have a challenge for the church uh, is to make God our obsession and to lose our lives for him. Are we willing to make that sacrifice? Just like this young lady was willing to lose her life for what she was doing, for her passion, for her obsession. My challenge to us is, are we willing to lose our lives for our king, to give him up? Today's scripture, Psalm 63, we believe that it was that David... Before he was king, uh, he wrote this, this psalm while he was living and hiding uh, uh, in the wilderness of Judah. Um, when he was hiding from King Saul, uh, he had defeated and taken uh, uh, a, uh, the city of, of Kela, uh, defeating the Philistines, and, and King Saul uh, made a decision to go and get him and, and, and kill him. So he was running away and hiding, and uh, he found a place. Uh, after wandering in the wilderness for, for days, um, he found uh, a place, uh, the perfect place for hiding, which is uh, near the Dead Sea, which is En Gedi. En Gedi is a place in the middle of the desert 
but it's the perfect hiding place uh, for those of us who have been there or for those of you who have been there. It's a, um, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful place. Uh, it's got underground springs and the water, I'm not kidding, the water, you may be standing on a rock and if you pay cl close attention, there is water flowing out of that rock because spring, that spring water comes up from underneath the ground through the rocks, and then they form little string, streams. And there's even a waterfall called uh, David's Waterfall. So while he's in the middle of this desert, he's hiding in this beautiful place, yet he writes this psalm that describes his spiritual condition. In this prosperous green piece of land in the middle of the desert, he writes this psalm and compares his condition to a dry piece of land that's thirsting for water. He compares his condition and he tells God, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. You see, for him... God is that water that gives him life. David knows what happens when men wander away from their God. They become like this desert land that there's no life in it. You know. David is going through a difficult time. He's running for his life. He finds refuge in the middle of the desert in En Gedi, which is the name. This is the name of that place. It's the, the little goat stream. Uh, but he knows that his true refuge is God. Only God can save him from Saul. You know, every now and then, we find ourselves... In, in desert-like conditions in our lives where things are not going our way. We start having health issues. We go through a marriage crisis. Uh, we lose our jobs. They're about to foreclose our house, things of that nature, depression, anxiety, drug addiction, alcoholism. Periods of time where you give up that there's no hope or that you feel that there's no victory in sight. I compare this times to riding a bicycle uphill. Uh, a long time ago, when I was about 17 years old, uh, a friend of mine and I, we used to ride bikes everywhere. And one, there's a mountain in El Paso called Franklin Mountain or Franklin Mountains. And there's a road that goes up the mountain, in between the mountains, and it's about two miles each way or three miles. We made a decision to ride up the hill, so his dad drove us to the edge of the mountain, and, you know, we had a plan. We, he's, he went up there, and he was going to wait for us while we rode up the, this mountain, and we started off. But within 10 minutes, we knew it was, was going to be a difficult challenge. Half an hour later, we're not even halfway up the, the mountain. An hour later, we're resting, giving up, saying, you know what, let's just carry our bikes the rest of the way. 20 minutes later, we dumped our bikes and said, let's just dump the bikes. We'll pick them up. 
We'll pick him up on the way down. Let's just hurry up and get on that pickup truck and, 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 and come back and get those bikes, you know. But then we said, you know what? We're almost there. Let's just keep doing it, you know. So we got back on our bikes. Well, we walked and carried our bikes for a good while. And then, and then we got back on our bikes and we started biking and pedaling. And then we started to see my friend's dad's pickup truck. And we knew that we were almost there. And then all of a sudden we felt strength and we felt courage and we felt excited. And we said, we made it. We got on our bikes and we started pedaling like if we had just started, right? And we got there, you know. That's what happens. A similar thing happens when we meet God in the middle of our crisis. When we're being challenged, we feel like we're about to give up. Sometimes we give up partially, but then somehow we manage to keep going. And then we find him. He comes to meet us and rescues us. And then we get that second wind of fresh air. And we overcome whatever it is that's been afflicting us. You know, God allows these storms to allow us to keep a healthy perspective. That He is God and we are not. That no matter how much we feel we're in control, we really have control of nothing other than our free will. Just look at what's happening in California right now. I mean, those things are beyond anybody's control. Floods and storms and destruction. Brothers and sisters, we need to continually and earnestly be seeking our Lord. So that we may become like that tree in Psalm 1. That says, like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. Without God, we have no life. We have no life. And whatever life we have is like a mirage in the desert. Right? It looks beautiful, looks pretty. But when you look at it closely, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. As the Lord's children, we need to make God our life-giving stream of water. We need to earnestly seek Him. And that is the challenge today that I have for you and for me. To make God our passion. To make God our obsession. David's obsession was to have and to live in community with his Lord, with God. Because he knew that when he was in the presence of the Lord, powerful things happened. Powerful things happened. He's not asking God, if, you, if, if we read this psalm, and what we don't see is, we don't see David saying, destroy Saul, O Lord. Stop him. Send your angels to this, destroy this man. Instead, he has the opportunity in that cave to kill him, and he doesn't. He doesn't, you know. Because he is trusting in his Lord to do whatever he is, it is he's going to do. He's not looking 
for God to stop Saul or he's not looking for a way for him to figure out what he's going to do. All he's doing is he's seeking the Lord's presence because he knows that the answer to his problem lies outside of him. The answer to his problems is God. He knows the solution to all his afflictions and problems lying God himself. And if he can experience and see God's power and glory, he will be all right. Everything will be all right. Verses 2, 3, and 4, he says, So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better, better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. You see, a characteristic of, of storms is that they require or demand all our attention and our focus and our energy. Think about the last time you were in a crisis. All your energy and attention was focused on that problem. How am I going to fix it? I don't have a job. I can't make my mortgage. I cannot put food on the table. What do I need to do? I need to apply for jobs. I need to go out there. I need to look for a job. I, what, what are we going to do? What, you talk to your wife, and your wife says, what are you doing? What are we going to do to put food on the table? We're going to lose our house. What are we, where are we going to live? All these things. Crises tend to distract us from our Savior. That's one of the characteristics of the crisis. That we pay attention to what's going on around us, to the destruction that these storms are causing, taking our sight away from the only person that can save us from that storm. And that's what the Lord wants. I mean, that's, that's what the devil wants us to focus on. You focus on your problems. Look at all this destruction around you. You're going to lose your life. You're going to lose your wife. You're going to lose your family because you lost your job, man. You need to get up there and find a job, and you need to find it now. Crises are the golden opportunities we have to show our faithfulness to our Lord and to show our obedience. Yes, it is difficult. I'm not saying do not focus or do not look for answers. But our main answer is God. He's the one who's really going to send us that new job. He's the one who's going to send the help that we need when we're in the middle of that storm. My challenge to us is we need to make God our obsession. David says, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. As I was preparing this message, I kept asking the Lord, I want to see your power and your glory. And that should be 
our desire this morning, and I know it is for all of us, but that's why I was asking the Lord this morning as I prepared for, for delivering this message. I told, Lord, let us see your power and your glory today. Let us see it, Lord. Because you are the only one who can bring life where there is none. You are the only one that can bring healing where man can't. You are the only one who can break the chains of those things that bind us. He's the only one that can break us out of bondage. Only he can bring breath to our lives. Only he can put flesh and tendons and skin on dry bones. Only he can stop the storms that come to our lives. But even there in the middle of our storms, there is a special place for us to raise our hands and to praise Him and to worship Him. Today's message is not very long. I wanted to make it a, a very long message. But this is the heart of my message. God has to be our obsession. Just like our, 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 our first love, you know, the first, just remember the first time you met Him. The first time he showed you his power and his glory. When you fell in love with him. I was thinking about the time when my wife and I fell in love. When she would tell me she couldn't live without me. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. It was, it was, it was me who would tell her. It was me who would tell her. I can't live without you. Right? That's what we need to tell the Lord. That's how we should live our lives. Lord, I cannot live without you, away from you. Not one second. Not one second. Show me your power. I know many of us are going through difficult processes. There's health issues. There's physical issues. There's emotional issues. For some of us, there's been death in our families last year. Financial issues, marital problems. Some people by me fighting with addiction or whatever it is. We all have our battles. All of us have a battle that we're fighting. And if you're not fighting a battle, well, you should be rejoicing. But all of us should be rejoicing. Because if you have a battle right now, that's the perfect time to show God your faithfulness, and your obedience. Tell him, Lord, you are my Savior. I'm in love with you. You're my obsession. I'm not going to plan for anything. You're going to solve my problems. That's what I told the Lord the last time. I, and and it, it's, it's difficult, you know. The last time I was going through a crisis, I wanted to fix it so bad. But then I, I, I gave up. And I said, Lord... You're going to have to fix this for me because I can't fix it. I've done everything I can and I have not been able to fix this. So thank you for showing me that you are God and I am not. Then I am powerless without you and I am dead without you. 
That is my message. God needs to be our obsession and our passion. In a minute, our deacons are going to come up and give us the opportunity. If you're going through a crisis, through a difficult time, one of our deacons can listen to your whatever you want to tell them, whatever spiritual help you need. That's why we have deacons, so that they can serve the people's, the Lord's people. Or this may be the day that you surrender your life. If there's anybody else here, or somebody here that has not truly repented and surrendered to the Lord, this is your opportunity to do so.